Want an easy way to start saving and investing? All you need is Acorns and your spare change. Link a credit or debit card and Acorns will round up your purchases to the nearest dollar and invest the difference in an expert-built diversified portfolio. On average, Acorns users invest $166 in four months from just their spare change. And if you sign up today, you'll get a $10 bonus investment. To sign up and view disclosures, visit acorns.com slash Spotify. Put a number one there. And we'll go over here. Super Chat is a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. And the store to Spaced Out Radio is open on our website, spacedoutradio.com. And it's looking like we are going to be booking the Golden Nugget once again for our great, great time at year number two, the second annual Fan Fest Spaced Out Radio Fan Party in Vegas at the Golden Nugget. May 19th through 21st, so make sure you put that on your calendar. Hello, gorgeous Bill WD-40 over in Spreaker. How you doing, buddy? Nice to have you here. we got about 35 seconds. Let's see who's jumped on in. And uh, I played the Dave 101 last night, guys. Uh, Strangeland, nice to have you here. And Alex Kuhn, good to see you. And Crave Dog, otherwise Ollie. How you doing, man? Nicholas Shaughnessy, Paula W., nice to have you both here. And we shouldn't be buffering. Doesn't look like it's buffering on my end. So it's uh, looking pretty solid, the feed is. Um, Dirty Phil, thank you so much for that birthday super chat. You didn't have to do that, buddy. You didn't have to do that. Everybody, congratulate Filthy Words birthday and get your horns up. Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor and hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at spaced out radio, Instagram at spaced out radio show, and on TikTok at spaced out radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you including rocking out to Bumblefoot, reading Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. All right, we've got a great show for you tonight. Michael W. Cook talks about Sasquatch and barbecue sauce. Can the two intermix? What does Sasquatch taste like? We're going to hopefully find out tonight then in hour number three we're going to head to the swamp for another great story from swamp dweller terry hall is filling in for tim senor on the ufo report and later on shirky poo has the news founder of cook cryptid research and sauce squatch barbecue and hot sauce 
we got our guest tonight, Michael W. Cook. 20 years researching Bigfoot and other phenomena stemming from a face-to-face encounter with a Sasquatch on a riverbank in southeast Kentucky when he was just 16 years old. Michael has dedicated his life to cryptozoology and the pursuit of answers through scientific means. Described as one of the most open-minded researchers out there, Cook has a resume that is full of experiences and collaboration with some of the best-known researchers this planet has to offer. It's his first time here on Spaced Out Radio. Michael W. Cook, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to SOR. How you doing, man? I'm awesome, Dave. How are you? I am just fantastic. And you know what? There's nothing better than having a good night of cryptid talk, and that's what we're going to do tonight. 16 years old. What happened when you were 16, my friend? Oh, Lord, 16 years old. That was uh, 20 years ago. I skipped school one day and went fishing, and a large bipedal, 8-foot tall, Every bit of 400-pound creature rode off the hill in front of me. And then out of myth and into reality, um, changed my life forever. So that morning, I was when I was fishing, I kept on hearing something move across the, the ridge across from me. And I thought it was squirrels or, or maybe a, a deer or something like that at first. But this thing took a wrong step. It tripped. It slipped. It done something. And it ended up in the river right in front of me. Oh, hold on one second, buddy. Your your microphone cut out there for a quick second. So it slipped into the river? Yeah, it slipped off the ridge and into the river. And um, when it landed in the river, all I saw was a big ball of fur first. So I thought automatically it's probably a bear. Logically thinking, you know, I'm a very logical thinker, even in today's standards, with, uh, with what I do. But I kept on trying to rationalize this was a bear. And when it stood up, it put its hands up like this and wiped its eyes out. And um, it made its way across the river to the other side of the bank, pulled itself up, and uh, it stood there and shook off like a big dog would, but but with humanistic, uh, uh, human characteristics. So this this thing was taking its hands and just kind of streaming the water off of its fur. And several minutes passed by as it was drying off, and it never really did what you say, notice me at first. And it wasn't until it started to walk up the hill, I let out a sigh. And, you know, I think that was the first breath I took in several minutes. And, you know, just a normal sigh, like, uh, <sighs> like that. And... It stopped, and it looked over its shoulder at me, and it, it squared up with me. And uh, it stood there looking at the ground, and then it looked up at me. I think it was trying to think that I was, uh, that, that it was imagining me, you know, like, yeah, this is not really happening. Probably the same thing that's going through my head at the time. This is not really happening. This can't be happening. And uh, it had this look of embarrassment on its face. And whenever it... Uh, it, it, it was almost like it, it it energized itself in a way. It, it it took a real deep breath and let out these hard, guttural, grunt, scream kind of things. And uh, after about the third or fourth one, I figured out how to run. And I made my way to the car and um, 
I sat in the car for for a long time. Actually, I started to say several minutes, but it was it was long. It was a lot longer than several minutes. And uh, knew knowing this thing was probably right there behind me or around my car, trying to figure out a way to get in. And uh, it uh, it wasn't nowhere around me. In fact, it made its way on up the ridge line back into the woods where uh, from whence it came. And uh, it let out these screams that, that were just uh, just this, this hard screaming that was going up on this ridge. And uh, I ain't going to lie to you. I sat there and cried. I couldn't believe what was going on. So after the fact... It, it quit screaming, and I went down the river and got my stuff and came back and got in the car and left. I had full intentions of telling my mom and dad what I'd saw. When I got home, I I went to tell them, and I couldn't tell them. I was, I was afraid they'd call me a liar or, or that I was crazy. So I kept it to myself for about a year. And after a year, my dad and I, we were watching Unsolved Mysteries one night. And uh, I think Robert Stack was the host. Every time you hear that 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 unsolved mysteries theme music, and then hear Robert Stack, you know something yep. bad is getting ready to go on. And uh, so he gets on there, and he's talking about every now and then. You know, for the most part, it was missing persons or um, maybe uh, unsolved uh, murders or something like that, cold cases. But every now and then they would have something like uh, Bigfoot or UFOs or Loch Ness Monster, something like that on there, I, I guess to appease to a certain uh, audience. And uh, that night it was Bigfoot. It was the legend of Bigfoot is the Unsolved Mysteries. And they played a clip that was uh, from the Patterson-Gimlin film that happened in 1967. Yes. And uh, you you played it on the first of your of your show there, so... When Patty turns and looks over at Robert and Bob, or Roger and Bob, that's the same motion that that creature looked at me that day. And, you know, looking back, um, it, it was very similar, but different looking creatures. It, my, the, big, the first Bigfoot I ever saw did not look like Patty. It was a slender, um, a slender being. It was a... Uh, very tall, round head. It didn't have a have a sagittal crest like the. Uh, uh, if there's anything, if there's any such thing as a run, roundabout or um, a, uh, a a roundabout figure of a Bigfoot, what it's supposed to look like, it didn't look like that. It's very round head, very long hair off the off the head, short hair on the chest, um, long arms, huge, very very long arms not really proportionate to the body to be honest with you um it, the the fingertips was probably down to its knees and uh that tells me that these things have the ability if not do live in the in the trees in in, in some poor part of their lives so um when i i watched this thing turn its head on tv and dad my my dad he said you know, I turned white. He said I turned. Uh, I, I started. I started sweating, and he said, "What's wrong?" And I said, "Man, I, I don't know how to say this, but I've I saw one of those." And uh, you know, Dad got got real intent. He's like, 
okay, where? And uh, I told him and told him the story that happened a year prior. And he said, uh, he said, I look at him. I said, dad, what, what are you thinking? Cause I, I'm, I'm waiting for him to bust out laughing and tell me that I was full of it. And he said, uh, I said, what do you know? And his next words set up the next 20 years for me. He said, I, they're out there, son. And I said, uh, why did you never tell me? Why did you never, ever tell me what you knew? And he said, would you ever went hunting? Would you ever went fishing? You know, it, it's one of those things where you, your life was substantially better um, without knowing and, you know, that is actually the first chapter in this book I'm writing. It's called The Bigfoot, Out of the Woods. And there's a reason for the Out of the Woods uh, part of that title, because there's several books coming out after this from me. I've already started working on uh, the, the second installment of, of Out of the, uh, it's kind of like Spaced Out Radio. So it's, a, it's like out of, out of the myth and into reality for people. The next book will be called UFOs Out of the Sky. So the burden of knowing now that I know 20 years ago, now that I know that I am, uh, that these things are out there, what do I do with myself? So people think about you and I, Dave, you and I think about 2002 I swear to God, I've written 2002 on paperwork at work the last week. I mean, it feels like it was yesterday. Yes. It, it really does. It don't feel like it was 20 years ago. I mean, think about the World Trade Centers. Uh, they fell 9-11-2001. And I can tell you what I ate for breakfast that morning, why I was late for school, and everything that morning. And it feels like yesterday oh, and that go ahead. I, I totally recall that. I, you know, I mean, I was working at a news radio station at that point and I remember I had the morning off until my ex-wife woke me up and said, I think world war three just started. And I went running down the stairs and just in time to watch the second tower collapse. So I know very much about you know, how it seems just like yesterday, you know, I mean, it's like, it's, it's the same an analogy as people who have children one day, uh, you know, they're just born and the next day they're getting ready for college, moving out and, and, you know, getting married and having their own families. I mean, it happens all in a flash of an eye. Oh yeah. I've got a almost 14 year old son who's going on 25. I guarantee it. He, uh, he calls me earlier and he, he talks to me like a man. I mean, and I can't, I cannot fathom that. I've, I, I, I feel like I'm a pretty intellectual individual, but for my own son, who is supposed to be in diapers, is calling me and saying, Hey dad, how was work today, buddy? And just, just going on. It's weird. It's the weirdest thing. Um, but, with the Bigfoot experience that happened back then, I can close my eyes right now and, and remember everything, every detail that happened that day. And 
the the craziest thing is more people had that same experience uh, or similar experience. A friend of mine, his name is Ed Brown, and and Ed he hosts a uh, he used to host a YouTube show called Sit Down with Ed Brown, and he the first time Ed and I ever met, he contacted me. He said I need to I need to interview you because I've had three more stories, three more encounters, eyewitness reports, whatever you want to call it, that happened in that 50-mile vicinity of something similar in uh, in looks as to what you saw. And uh, come to find out, there were three more people that saw the exact same creature that I saw. Now, that's that's pretty rare. I mean... Even given today's standards, I mean, uh, statistically speaking, that's one in. I'm a statistics guy, by the way. I'm I'm a I'm a numbers guy. Um, statistically speaking, that is one in eight hundred and fifty-two thousand, I believe. Uh, somebody go ahead and and uh, go ahead and fact check me on that. One in one in eight hundred fifty-two thousand chances that three, one, two people could have the same experience, but three—that's astronomical. Uh, not the same experience of it rolling off the hill in front of them, but the same uh, characteristics, the same, the same overall look to this creature within a fifty-mile radius. So. Go back to 2002. I'm a kid. I'm 16 years old. And, you know, I, I didn't know anything about these creatures. As far as, like, what are they? What what do they eat? What Where do they live? And all that stuff. I didn't know anything about that. Um, so I joined this organization. I'm not going to mention the organization. But those who were in the Bigfoot community, paranormal community, you kind of figure out who I was with at the time. Um, however, I don't have any bad blood with this organization. I, I just, I cut ties when they refused to acknowledge the supernatural aspect of these creatures. Uh, 10 years into this organization, I found myself interviewing eyewitnesses and, and, and all this to be told, we can't we can't put that on the database. We can't do this, we can't do that. Uh why not? Because we'll be laughed out of the community, is what they would say. So fast forward twenty years later, I find out that yeah, they've been taking these these supernatural encounters very seriously, and they have um been actively investigating these supernatural <laughs> occurrences. That's so, not, that's not what I've heard. I I've heard from recent members that they are still editing those and want nothing to do with those type of reports. We're talking about the Bigfoot Research Organization. Yeah. Hey, there it is. Name drop top. BFRO. I was the Kentucky Eastern Kentucky field researcher for the BFRO for eight years, uh, minus four three years of as apprentice or liaison or whatever you want to call it. Every time I would have a supernatural report, they would dismiss it and say, but we just go ahead and file it and send it to us. 
So I'd send it to them, and then all of a sudden, it wouldn't end, end up on the database. Um, I can actually recall probably 300 sightings that I personally uh, entered into the database that never made it to the BFRO.net. Mm-hmm. Um, giving, giving the fact that it was supernatural in, in nature. 10 years ago, or 20 years ago, let's go back 20 years ago, I was groomed to think that these things were nothing more than flesh and blood un, unidentified primate. That was it. That there was no supernatural occurrences. If anything supernatural happened, it was something that was out of this world or whatever. So, that being said, 10 years ago, something happened to me. And I don't understand to this day. I went to a witness's house. He invited me in there. And that night I was leaning up against a tree. I told this story on coast to coast, whoever is watching uh, or listening. I, I, I told the story on coast to coast AM last week. So I'm leaning against a tree. It's the middle of the night. It's two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. And I hear in my ear right here in this ear, right ear, this, huh? And I flip my light on real quick and look over and there's nothing there. But the whole time there's tree knocks, there's, there's bipedal footsteps happening all around me. And I started to question what I had been groomed to believe. And it was then where I realized, holy crap, there could be something supernatural going on here. And they're not, they're just not releasing it. They're not confident in themselves to release it, or they're embarrassed. They're embarrassed. I, and I don't understand. Want an easy way to start saving and investing? All you need is acorns and your spare change. Link a credit or debit card and Acorns will round up your purchases to the nearest dollar and invest the difference in an expert-built diversified portfolio. On average, Acorns users invest $166 in four months from just their spare change. And if you sign up today, you'll get a $10 bonus investment. To sign up and view disclosures, visit acorns.com Spotify. When you're going from brunch with the in-laws to happy hour with your coworker crew, you need a wine that's made for any moment. With 70 calories per serving and 7% ABV, Kim Crawford Illuminate Sauvignon Blanc is full-flavor wine with a refreshing taste. Buy Kim Crawford Illuminate at orderkimcrawford.com. Also available in rosé. Make it amazing. Kim Crawford Illuminate Sauvignon Blanc. Per 5 fluid ounce average analysis. Calories 70. Carbohydrates 4 grams. Protein 0 grams. Fat 0 grams. Please enjoy our wines responsibly. 2022 Constellation Imports. Rutherford, California, USA. understand that. We are dealing with <laughs> cryptozoology. The, and 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 bonus points for anybody in this chat over here or over there, yeah, over there that uh, that tells me what cryptozoology actually means. Um, and I'll give you five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Cryptozoology actually means the study. It's a pseudoscience. The study of unknown, un, um, 
documented animals and or extinct animals. So, cryptozoology can gather into the thylacine. That's the perfect example of cryptozoology. The thylacine, or so many people uh, know it as the Tasmanian tiger, went extinct back in the 1930s or 40s one. But there's still sightings to this day. So I was privy enough a few years ago to be invited on an international team that investigated thylacine reports. So in so many words, I have seen trail cam evidence that cannot be tampered with of these things living and thriving in Tasmania. They're supposed to be extinct, Dave. I would love to see that. I think that of all the creatures on this world that, that are said to be extinct, I think the Tasmanian tiger is still out there. I think there's been plenty of evidence of that. Now, maybe we haven't seen what what you have seen, Michael, but uh, as we got just under a minute to go here before we got to go to break, but I, I can say that, you know, I've seen a, a few compelling news stories out of Australia showing video that to me looks like this creature is alive and well. Okay, real quick before we go to break, and we'll 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 talk about it when we get back from break. What is Bigfoot, Dave? What is Bigfoot? What is Sasquatch? I don't know. I don't know. Throw me some throw me something out there, and we'll debate it when we get back. All right, I will throw this out there if you want to debate it. I think it's something supernatural that we haven't figured out yet. Awesome. Let's go to break. Well, uh, Michael, you hold on. You enjoy yourself, Dirty Filth. You enjoy your cartoons. Our audience, you sit back, relax. And when we get back from the break here at the bottom of the hour, we're going to continue with the cryptid talk with Michael W. Cook. He's got a great website, saucesquatch.com, S-O-S-S, sasquatch.com, for his barbecue sauce. We're going to hear about that later on. 20 years of Bigfoot research. Michael W. Cook continues his Sasquatch. Flesh and blood? Is it supernatural or something else? Next. All right, there we go. We're clear. So just so you know, Michael, our YouTube audience and our podcast audience can hear us. Just the radio side cannot. Okay, awesome. So, the YouTube audience, you're still sitting there listening. Yeah. So check us out. Dave says supernatural. Well, we're gonna, hold on. We're going to continue I'll that say, talk. We're going to continue that talk when we get back for the radio side because we can't leave them on. No, we can't leave them out at all. That's that's a fact. We we got to love our radio people. Yeah. I'm actually getting it. Oh, uh, the YouTube people, you'll get this exclusive uh, deal here. Um, Cook Cryptid Research, the podcast is actually uh, in the process of being produced right now. So if you go on YouTube.com and go uh, search up Cook Cryptid Research, you'll get to see me once a week drinking bourbon and uh, talking about Bigfoot. Bourbon, Bigfoot, and barbecue. Come on. (laughs) Doesn't get much better than the Triple Bs. The Triple Bs will get you every time. You got that right. 
You got that right. <sighs> you know, Dave, I think you just need to send me an address. I don't think you need to need to buy this off of me. I think uh, just having me on here, I've got 7,800 emails to reply to right now from the Coast to Coast interview. So if you send me an address later I'll do on that. my email, yeah, send me that, and I'll send you some hot sauce and barbecue sauce for you to try. If you like it, all you got to do is, I don't know, say something about it on this on this syndicated podcast or whatever. See that? You know, throw, a, see that bottom throw your sh- brother a bone. See that bottom shelf over there? I do, yeah. That's all hot sauce bottles. <laughs> oh, my God. This hot sauce, man. Let me tell you something. The hot sauce is the hardest damn thing to make. I've cooked tremendously over my lifetime, and hot sauce is the hardest thing to figure out. <laughs> you can't. You like It's impossible to keep this stuff from separating. And then it separates, and you get the liquid on top and the solid on the bottom. Um, but I figured out a way, and it's it's actually you'll you'll be it'll blow your mind. I'm just going to tell you right now, it'll blow your mind. Very cool. Very cool. Can't wait. I'm actually, uh, and the YouTube people can still see me, so. Hey, give me a give me a thumbs up. Give me a give me a, give me something. I can see the chat over here. Um, so give me a thumbs up. You know, tell me what you're thinking. Go on sauceguash.com. That's s o s s s q u a t c h dot com. And uh, whatever you do, don't don't go to the contact me or contact us page. Email me directly to uh, info at sauceguash.com for orders and stuff. But we'll talk about this later when the radio people are listening too. This is made from real Kentucky bourbon, folks. This is this is barbecue sauce. I mean, I am two hundred and fifty pounds of chisel steel and sex appeal. I know what good barbecue is. I know what it is, and I have perfected the barbecue sauce line. That's just how it is. I mean. And there is a very good chance you will see me putting these skills to, to the test on a future season of a very popular Fox show. Oh, very cool. So, yeah, yeah, I got the, I got the phone calls and, and done, the, done the interviews, the Skype interviews with, uh, with the, uh, the production team and stuff. So, it it's it's overwhelming but it's everything that i've ever worked for in my life good for you good for you we got about one minute to go here so zero okay so folks let me uh, youtube listeners i'm gonna give you a little insight dave called me uh about two hours ago and he said uh Hey man, we're going to do this. Blarty, blarty, blarty. Gave me a rundown of what was going on, and uh, I said, "Okay, what do I need to wear? I'm going to wear a hoodie or a sweatshirt." He said, "Oh, is it cold there?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's like 55. I live in southeastern Kentucky. Ugh. We don't. 
we don't get winter until January and February. And then it Child's gets down play. to like 30. Child's play right now, 55 <laughs> degrees. Hold on one second. Thank you, Science Bob, Obi Flat, Dirty Filth on your birthday, and little Thomas Fessler for the super chats tonight. Wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. So thank you so much. Here comes the second half hour. Second half hour of Space Now Radio is now underway. Good to have you all with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. I want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com where we have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot. Read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Michael W. Cook, Sasquatch.com is his website. 20 years of research after having his first close encounter when he was just 16 years old, skipping school, going fishing, what all boys should do at a young age, and then boom, there's the big Wookiee. Falling into the river. That's always fun. Michael, welcome back, man. You know, we left this segment with you saying that you think these creatures are supernatural. What is your... Okay, the interviewer becomes the interviewee. Okay. All right, what is your reasoning for thinking these things are supernatural? Two reasons. Excuse me. Two reasons I think this. Number one, thousands of years worth of First Nations and indigenous legends cannot be wrong. All right? And I remember before I started this show and before I even had my own encounter, I remember uh, talking about Sasquatch with, with a First Nations friend of mine. And he would tell me how they could disappear, just vanish. That, uh, you know, this is why we see, you know, footsteps and footprints that just go to the middle of nowhere. And then when I, after I had my encounter, uh, my encounter happened nine years ago, just over nine years ago this month. I had a uh, situation with a couple of friends where we were walking around the property where it happened felt like we were being followed, heard something splashing big into the pond that we couldn't see. And as we continued along the side of the house, I felt like we were being followed. And this is where I turned and looked and saw Pixelation standing between or right beside a cherry tree from about 8 to 10 feet up from the ground. And the other two of us couldn't see it. Myself and one other person did. We walked to the front of the house about 20 seconds later, and that is where we got roared at from that exact same area. And that area was only about 100 yards from us, if that. No, not even 100 yards, maybe maybe 50 yards. 
to get to get roared at, and it was the blood curdling, most God fearing thing I've ever heard. And from that point on, I realized that there had to be something special about this. And then you hear the stories like of uh, Bruce Maccabee's wife hunting in a tree, seeing the Predator-style pixelation in a tree right beside her. You see other people who said, hey, I'm chasing this Sasquatch down through the forest. I'm following the prince, and all of a sudden it's gone. You know, I mean, tracks in the snow. I loved it when Cliff Berrickman tried to tell me right on this show, oh, well, they can reverse themselves and go back in the print. And when I questioned him on a double print, because stepping forward is a different impression than stepping backwards, he tried to cover that up, and that's where I knew it was BS. Nothing can make a double print. It's impossible. So this is where I believe that there is something special about this creature. Too many people have seen it while having UFO or alien encounters. What's with that? So all right, so the uh, the running the running inside joke in the Bigfoot community is that Bigfoot only has one foot because there's always just one footprint found. And why is it right? And uh, why is it nine nine and a half times out of ten always the right foot? Okay, so right foot is dominant in human in humanity in uh, animal culture. And it is the leading foot when a animal takes a step. Um, and you can look at videos and everything. Like you can fact check me on everything that I'm saying tonight, folks, if you want to. That's uh, <laughs> that I'm, I'm actually encouraging you to to fact check me on these on these uh, um, uh, outlandish claims that I make. So I believe that the only footprints we found. We have we find and found are of young Bigfoot that have not became in tune with their abilities that were endowed by our creator. So there segues into creation. And you know, I'm a I'm a Christian scientist. I believe that there is a God. I don't think that there's anything that I do in this world in everyday life that doesn't involve an all power helping me along. And I say that because I, I'm a believer. And last Sunday, you know, five days from, from tonight, I, I sat down with one of my really dear friends. Um, her name is Catherine Kaufman. She is, Kentucky's leading psychic medium. And, you know, I sat down with her just, just to catch up, have dinner, have some bourbon, and and talk about everything that's been going on. And she said that she felt my grandmother's energy with me at the time. And I just, that's just so good. And she said that she was proud so I believe that, that my grandmother is proud. But let's go back to Christian scientists. So Christian science, I believe in evolution. But I believe that God played played evolution into, into how it was made. 
So what's to say that these things aren't born flesh and blood? Maybe primate, maybe. I mean, you know, I'm I'm throwing a maybe out there. I hate the word maybe. Every time I've asked a girl out and she says maybe, it's pissed me off. But um, maybe, just maybe, that these things are born flesh and blood. And they have these abilities, but some of them learn how to use them and utilize them, and some of them don't. Maybe it's something that is endowed with them from birth, and they don't really know how to figure it out until later in life. So, and that's my dog barking, by the way. That's, he's he's 15 pounds of chisel steel and six appeal. Don't get scared, folks. I promise. He's not, he's not harmful. <laughs> but... Um, his name is Roscoe, so give a shout-out to Roscoe. He don't have long left on this plane of existence, but I will see him on the other side sometime. Anyway, um, the uh, these creatures are born flesh and blood, in my opinion, are born flesh and blood, and they either figure out how to utilize these abilities that they are endowed with, or they don't. And it's just like humans, psychic mediums, um, uh extreme sensitives and all that they don't some of them don't ever figure out how to use them and they get drove crazy throughout their lives so when you see one footprint i was assuming that's 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 a probably a young bigfoot or a sasquatch whatever you want to call it and he hasn't figured out how to not make that footprint um patty Let's go back to the Patterson-Gimlin film. So what's your take on the Patterson-Gimlin film, Dave? Definitely real. Definitely real. What? Okay, I'm going to ask the one question that you're not supposed to ask. Boobs. <laughs> Boobs. No, I, so, I, mean, I mean, hold on. Let's explain for people who may not be listening or understanding. In the Patterson-Gimlin film, there's always been great debate on whether or not the creature was or is real. But the one thing that is for certain is there are a number of people out there who will tell you that you can tell it's a female Sasquatch because when they slow down the film, you can see breasts. And you know what? I don't look at that Patterson. I think the biggest mistake that we make, Michael, with the Patterson-Gimlin film is we're looking at it in a 2022 perspective and not a 1967 perspective. When we look at it at a 2022 perspective, okay, we know that we have the technology to create body suits. You know, if we want to play a joke and add breasts to it or something along those lines, we can do that very easily. We can make costumes look a hell of a lot more realistic than we've ever been able to over the last hundred plus years. I mean, 1967, there were some pretty badass, scary costumes that kids had to wear with, uh, you know, lead paint on the, on the mask, the plastic masks that mom and dad used to get us. Right. And it was, um, it was a, a different time. We're still at a time where, uh, during the 1967, were on certain beaches in the United States, they would have inspectors fining women if their bathing suits were too short. You know, I mean, this was a very sexually prudish time, 
you know, the, the peace, love, and light of the hippie stage wouldn't come for a couple more years, uh, you know, around Woodstock and then going into the free love 70s. And if, if we look at it from a 1970 or 60s perspective at that point, Vietnam is going on, there's a lot of tension going on, and there's not a lot of free love at that time. And I don't see two hicks from a small town in Northern California sitting around a, a sewing machine saying, hey, let us draw or, or create some boobs on this thing to make it look like a woman. All right, so you've explained everything that I counter-argue with um, skeptics that believe that the Patterson-Gimlin film was faked. So here's something that a lot of people know that follow me. Um, I was there in 2018 with a researcher colleague friend of mine, Jeff Ellis. He he has passed since then, and you know, if I can for just a second, let me say this before I go into this. Jeff Ellis was a plethora of cryptozoological. Want an easy way to start saving and investing? All you need is acorns and your spare change. Link a credit or debit card and acorns will round up your purchases to the nearest dollar and invest the difference in an expert built diversified portfolio. On average, acorns users invest $166 in four months from just their spare change. And if you sign up today, you'll get a $10 bonus investment. To sign up and view disclosures, visit acorns.com slash Spotify. Whether it's a girl's night out, brunch with your work besties, or a night in with sprinkles, the crisp, refreshing taste of Kim Crawford makes any moment amazing. So wherever you go, shine with Kim Crawford. Available in Sauvignon Blanc and Rosé. Kim Crawford. Make it amazing. Buy Kim Crawford at orderkimcrawford.com. Please enjoy our wines responsibly. 2022 Constellation Imports, Rutherford, California, USA. ...knowledge, and I miss that guy so much. And I'm, I'm somewhat envious that he knows all the answers now because he's passed. But Jeff Ellison called me um, around June 28th. 2018 he said hey well uh, what are you doing i said i'm i'm at a conference in northern virginia and uh he said when are you coming home i said a couple of days from now he said well you want to go to california i said ah let me check <laughs> let me check my schedule so i called my workplace at the time and i said hey uh, how much more time do i have off and they said oh you have like three weeks off. I said, good. I'm going to take two weeks. I worked for a very good company at the time. So, and that's another thing I want to stress people. I don't, I don't research Bigfoot for a living. I wish I did, but I don't, um, I have to work. I, I actually work for the government now. So there you go. There's, there's your piece of information. A lot, a lot of people are privy to, um, two days later, I'm with Jeff Ellis. We're driving across country, hitting the, premier Bigfoot encounter destinations on earth. I mean, we went to, um, uh, we went to, uh, Falk, Arkansas to the, uh, to the Falk monster, to the beast of Boggy Creek. We went across the blue mountains where, um, 
Um, Paul Freeman had his in, his famous video encounter. It was documented on video, and we ended up in Bluff Creek, California. I've been there. I've seen where Bob and Roger stood. But here's another thing. I've heard the story come from Bob Gimlin's mouth face-to-face at least 50 times. And logistically speaking, like I said in the beginning of this show, I'm a very logical thinker. I'm a very, very logical thinker. And don't think I'm not being biased or anything because I am a Bigfoot researcher. Go to Bluff Creek. Go to the bowling alley that is affectionately called where the Patterson Gilman film was filmed. And put it in your mind, getting a suit up there and just the perfect, um, the perfect frames to have an argument. It's logistically, it's not impossible. I'll say that, but it's a nightmare. Logistically speaking, you're talking about either you have two options. One option is to go down a logging road that is roughly a mile and a half to where this was filmed at with a two to 300 pound suit. Or you can go up Bluff Creek from the main highway, which is about seven miles as the crow flies with a 300 pound suit and then filming this flawlessly with a 33 millimeter camera. It's pretty far way out there when you, when you lay it out like that, when you've been there and seen what I've seen. So that being said, the Patterson Gimlin film, there are three films that are, that have been found. There's actually four cuts to that film. The last film has never been found. And that last piece of that film has never been found. Every time they lay that film down on each other, it clears the image up a little bit more. Digitally, we live in 2022 now. So those who didn't know this, it is, is 2022, the year of our Lord. It is possible to produce a film like that today. Let's go back to 1967. This happened in October 20th, 1967. Planet of the Apes came out March 27th, 1968. At least five months prior to the Patterson-Gimlin film. And if you've ever looked at that, if you've ever really watched Planet of the Apes, the costumes were... They were hideous. Shoddy. Yeah, they were shoddy at best. Um... Godzilla, good example. One of the Godzilla films come out in like 1966. <laughs> and it was still a guy in a lizard suit terrorizing a clearly built set of Tokyo. I mean, it's not that hard to figure out. Like Dave said. Okay, so Dave, Dave says that the breasts... Let's let's focus on boobs for a minute. So, sex sells. 
today. Sex sells actually very well today. If you if you're if you look at any any advertisements for cologne, uh, what's that one that uh, Johnny Depp does? And it shows shows his. Uh, by the way, he is a Kentucky boy, and that's the only reason I use him as an example. It shows his sexy pirate looking self um, doing what he does, and it sells. Uh, it just sells. Sixty seven. Yeah, I mean, we were starting to get into feminist age by then. But we wasn't fully embracing the feminist feminism of 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 America at that time. So, putting breasts and if you ever listen to <laughs> Grover Krantz has a very good interview about the Paris and Gimlin field and he he goes into great detail of these pendulous, bustling breasts of the Patterson-Gimlin Bigfoot. And it makes me almost want to think that Grover had some kind of weird, weird kink. Everybody's got their kink, folks. It's, it's nothing nothing to be embarrassed of. I, it's 2022. I don't know how the work, world works anymore. So you all take it or leave it. I don't care. But Grover Krantz talked about the pendulous swinging milk field breasts of the Patterson Gimlin Bigfoot. And if you ever hear that interview, it's, it's not meant to be comical. It really isn't. But today's time, I still have the mind of a 13 year old boy. I still laugh every time and giggle. So it's one of those things. Um, so put yourself in that position though. And you see, most, most people who uh, – let me just jump in here for a second because we got about three minutes to go. Most people who put themselves in that position, Michael, are not pushing them, putting themselves in a 1967 position. They're well into the 21st century trying to say what is right or wrong. I agree 100%. Um, 67, it was not – uh, culturally acceptable to talk about periods. A week ago, I had to have a conversation with a female on our team about her periods. And I said, hey, so listen, if you're on your period, it's probably not the good best time to go in the woods <laughs> because you are, ex- you are excreting pheromones. And people who know anatomy know that the period is the cycle. It is the rebirth of the uh, fertility time. So when, and I'll tell you this. Okay, so go on YouTube. Look up every single interview you can with Jane Goodall. And there's one interview there. I cannot pinpoint it. Don't ask me. But there's one interview there about her talking about when she was doing her studies on gorillas. She went into the Congo on her period and it became the worst experience of her life because she was, she was excreting pheromones. 
primate pheromones. Many First Nations people. I live right on the at the start of the Highway of Tears here in British Columbia. Everybody's heard about the Highway of Tears, where literally dozens upon dozens of young First Nations women have gone missing. And in talking to some of the elders and people there, they have stated that they believe, even though they understand that there is a mass murderer on that highway, or murderers, plural, they do believe that maybe 20 to 30% of those women actually have gone missing as Sasquatch wives. And, and out of that number that have gone missing, many of them were with were either on their menstruation cycle, just finished their menstruation cycle, pregnant, or within a year of giving birth. Like, they've already given birth, and it's less than a year after. And that's there's a strong belief up north of me of that's part of the reason of what's happening with these missing women. Well, even today, let's go into today's standards. Well, we only got about seven seconds. Let's hold that. All right. Cause Focus it, on today's standards, folks. It is a little bit controversial. But this is this is seriousness. Even even many women that I know going searching in the field of Sasquatch will not go at certain times because of their own pheromones. Spaced Out Radio's hour number two with Michael W. Cook continues right after this. Stay tuned. All right, we're clear. All right, folks. YouTube. YouTubers, so check us out. I'll be, you talk to them, uh, and Dirty Filth is going to pop in here because we always get an update on his art. I'll be right back. Dirty Filth, is, is it's his birthday today. He is 29 years old again. It is the 14th anniversary of 29. And I'm sur- I'm I'm currently if uh, the YouTube video the YouTube watchers, I'm watching this little turd over here. His name is Roscoe, and um, Roscoe Roscoe is the squatch hunting dog. Is that right, buddy? Come here, buddy. I'm gonna try to show you all a uh, a, a video of him right here. You see my roll. I'm like Texas Roadhouse. I've got the rolls right there. That's weird. Hey, Dirty Filth, how old are you today? I actually see the chat, so uh, ask me a question. I'll answer it the best of my ability right now. It's currently 1 a.m. here where I live at. I was on mute. Sorry. I'm um, I'm 37 today, Michael. You're... You're you are actually six months almost to the day older than I am. I'll be thirty seven in March the eleventh. That's pretty cool. 
And yep. I forgot what else. Uh, oh, because you said ask me anything. I said, what? what's your favorite kind of pizza? Oh, God. Um, oh, man. So my favorite. Okay, so I used to work. Okay, so a little bit of back background about me, folks on YouTube that can still hear me. I am a I have a master's degree in architecture. And uh, I studied in Chicago. So my favorite type of pizza is actually a Chicago deep dish. Just your regular peppers, onions, uh, sauce, uh, pepperoni and sausage. But it has to be so deep that I have to have a spoon and knife to eat it. So it's basically a pizza cake. Pretty much. I mean, a pizza, a pizza pie. Um, but I, I lived in Brooklyn or in uh, Manhattan for a little while. Went down to Brooklyn a lot to uh, eat Brooklyn-style pizza. So the big, long pizza slices and stuff, that's my thats my thing. But um, unless I'm in Chicago, I cannot ever have my favorite. And that's actually where my hot dog comes from, too. Uh, my favorite <laughs> hot dog is a Chicago uh, what other areas in Humboldt did you hit? Okay, so Brown Dwarf. Um, I'm answering you right now. So Brown Dwarf. Brown Dwarf's good stuff. Yeah, man. So I went out to Arcadia and Willow Creek and all that. Uh, we actually spent two weeks camping in Six Rivers National Forest. So we had some Bigfoot experiences. Are you drawing the Mothman? Is that the Mothman? There's a very good chance I'm drawing Mothman. Oh, he's having burgers with Bigfoot and a Kentucky Goblin. I love it. Um, So I was a resident researcher in Point Pleasant for three years. I want to go to the Mothman statue and squeeze its bum. Dude, let me tell you something. That is the sweetest butt I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> you guys. Mothman's got the best ass in cryptozoology. Well, Sweet this, ass. This, you know, I step away for a couple of minutes and this goes right downhill. Right downhill. I love <laughs> it. What happens, Dave? I love it. <laughs> Leave me to do this. I was supposed to say hi to my grandma if she's listening today, too. Yeah, so happy, hi, grandma, happy birthday, listening. dirty filth. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. I got cake and I ate three quarters of a pizza to myself. I'm I'm a slob. Yeah. I, what do you? How, okay. I got a question for both of y'all. Feel first because this is birthday. And then Dave. Pineapple. Pineapple on pizza. Yep. Okay. Feta cheese, pineapple, and <laughs> banana pepper, man. Yep. <laughs> We're brothers from another mother, man. All right, we got oh, yeah. we got one minute. I want to say hi to Shiny Ray, Mr. Gray Owl. Thanks for coming on in, Night Rider. Good to see you. And who else is joining us here late? And let's get got a couple of questions here. Uh, let's see who else has come in. Let's see. I want to say also thank you to Science Bob, Obi Flett, 
Dirty Filth Ed Thomas Fessler for the Super Chats tonight. And yes, pineapple does go on pizza, Mr. Race fan. Yes, it does. And it <laughs> is fantastic. <clears throat> and it's also Quit good living. for breakfast for dinner because you get your fr- you, you get your fruits too. All right. Uh, we got like five seconds here, guys. I'm going to get you all to be quiet. We're going to get going here right now. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Geoselenic. Geoselenic is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. Hour number two with our guest tonight, Michael W. Cook, Sasquatch researcher out of the beautiful state of Kentucky, looking for the big man himself out in the forest. And, you know, Michael, one of the things that I want to get into this hour here is the fact that we have a lot of Sasquatch sightings followed up by UFO sightings. How many have you researched where the two have intersected? All right, so let me go. Let me start this conversation back in June, and I'll name drop. He was actually on Spaced Out Radio with Jessica Jones uh, last week. Uh, Daniel Benoit, he is one of my truest best friends. He, uh, if you don't know him, follow him, Daniel Benoit. That's B N B E N O I T. Um, he's on Facebook, E C B R O on Facebook. I will be speaking at his conference uh, for the second time this year, by the way. He has two conferences a year. Uh, he has the Virginia Bigfoot Conference and the Virginia Big uh, uh, Virginia Squatch Fest in October. So, back in June, my girlfriend and I, at the time, we were, uh, we were traveling back to Kentucky from Northern Virginia from speaking at this Bigfoot conference he had in June. And I had a, um, I I was zoned out a little bit, but I was still relatively conscious driving. Um, Everybody knows how that is. Um, You you drive for so long, then all of a sudden everything starts running together and, you know, everything starts looking like, and then all of a sudden you're home. So, um, we were about 20 miles north of Bristol, Virginia. And I was focusing on this formation in the sky, this place in the sky. And I said, uh, I focused on it for m- well over 10 minutes. 
And I finally look over at her and I said, hey, um, do you see this? Up? Want an easy way to start saving and investing? All you need is acorns and your spare change. Link a credit or debit card and Acorns will round up your purchases to the nearest dollar and invest the difference in an expert-built diversified portfolio. On average, Acorns users invest $166 in four months from just their spare change. And if you sign up today, you'll get a $10 bonus investment. To sign up and view disclosures, visit acorns.com slash Spotify. Sometimes you need to take control to make a difference. That's why with FlexPath from Capella University, you're in control. Set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move at a pace that works for you. Discover a different way forward at capella.edu. Up here, by the way, and she goes, what is that? And I said, I don't know. It looked like a, I swear to God, I hate saying it like this, but it looked like a cigar-shaped white object in the sky and we went by a tree and it was gone no idea so fast forward last weekend six days ago so um, last saturday we were in my research area and we watched a dull orange light fly across the sky i don't know like, I think it's purely coincidental. I really do. I think that it is uh, um, something that just happens by coincidence. I, I truly believe that these creatures were Earth-born, but may attract the same interest from extraterrestrial beings as we do. But I'm a very hard sell with UFOs. What's your what's your take on UFOs, Dave? Oh, I'm a firm believer. I'm a firm believer. Okay. After <clears throat> after this last two years, the Pentagon releases the the classified documents that's declassified now, and um, followed by the Navy and all this stuff. So, do you think that some of this could be? Maybe Earthborn, and we're just not releasing all this information? Or do you truly believe that there's no doubt that these are extraterrestrials from another uh, universe or planet or whatever you want to call it? Mm. That I'm not sure. I, I used to believe that it was 100% alien. Now I'm not sure if it's time travel or whether it's different dimension or from other planets. It could be a combination of all three. Okay, so after we lead after we we lead the the world, the Pentagon says, "Okay, so here's the deal. We've known about these sightings, these encounters since 1947." Um then Russia comes forward, Vladimir Putin himself comes forward and says, we've been having the same encounters with these with these crafts. And then Kim Jong-un, he comes forward and says, it's not us. We've, we've been thinking it's the Americans this whole time. Iran, again, comes forward and says, we don't know what these things are. We thought they were you all at this, this whole time. We thought you all had some kind of supersonic abilities now and all this stuff. 
China comes forward and says, we, we don't know what's going on. So you have, an, what is it, an F-16 uh, fighter jet that flies, that can comfortably fly, folks, at Mach 3, which is 1,600 miles an hour. I'm sorry, but that's, if you travel, okay, those who are listening who ride motorcycle, I ride motorcycle. You ever travel 100 miles an hour on a motorcycle? It is extreme. You can't see anything. Your eyes are watery. The Then all of a sudden, the bike just starts smoothing out. That's probably the scariest part of the whole journey when you hit 100 miles an hour. But we're talking times that by 16,000 miles an hour. So it's it's something. 1,600 miles an hour. These things are outrunning fighter jets. It's not, I mean, in today's times, we live in a an age where we are talking live right now through the interwebs over to British Columbia. Okay? We're talking live. In real 50 time. 50 years ago, that, do what? In real time. In real time. 50 years ago, that was impossible. 70 years ago is really impossible. We're talking 73 years ago that these that the government started investigating these sightings. And one of the most compelling alien encounters would be probably Travis Walton's. Um, he had one of the most compelling, believable uh, abduction encounters that's ever been that's ever been then been told. But my problem is, is <sighs> these creatures travel th- thousands of light years from their home planet. Do they go to the White House? No. Do they go to Disney? No. Do they go to Buckingham Palace? No. They go to a pig farmer in Arkansas. And land in his cornfield. And three days later, he's on the news. I saw it right there, man. It's right there. You see where that grass is laid down dead? And that's not it. That's where my wife fell last week. She's a big old girl. No, it's out there in the cornfield. It's always them guys that, that come out with these UFO encounters. I met Travis Walton. Talked to Travis Walton face-to-face, and I've said, Come on, man. Shoot me straight. You know, let's man to man. Let's let's talk about this. And he said, I was abducted by aliens. Straight to my eyes. That right there, folks. That is what I want. Now, if you want to get if you want to tie the two together, Bigfoot and aliens. So back. I forget what year it is. Um the the incident happened on uh, Chestnut Ridge in uh, Pennsylvania. Stan Gordon, one of the leading ufologists out there, ufologist, ufologist, whatever you want to call him, he started investigating Bigfoot encounters that happened after the Chestnut Ridge 
incident. I mean, did they drop them off? I don't know. You have certain researchers that believe that these things are extraterrestrial in nature. And then you have those who believe they are terrestrial in nature. I believe it's just a coincidence, Dave. Long story short, I believe it's a, I believe it's a coincidence. Well, I mean, there there's so much going on with the entire phenomena that it's hard not to try and put things together, you know, like Lego pieces. And I really do believe that that's really what we're doing right now is we are at the start of building these Lego pieces together with, but we don't have the directions on how to build them in the entire paranormal genre. If we use that as an umbrella term, you know, so where are you in the lines of, of, you know, the fact that we may not be alone. We know the government is covering up whatever they know. They're not going to give us the truth. We now know the Navy isn't going to give us any more videos because they're still pissed off about the ones that came out in 2017. And yet, okay, we got monsters running around the forest, Bigfoot, Dogman, Gnomes, Little People, you know, Gugways, and everything in between. Maybe even little Vasiloraptors. There was a video that surfaced from Central Florida a few years ago. And I always get drawn into this video, and it's a security camera video, and it shows what looks to be like a small dinosaur running across this yard. And for the life of me, I cannot get out of the mind frame of what else it could be, but but besides what it is. Um, Dog man. Man, I want so much to believe in this. I really do. But they start to lose me when they start talking about werewolf tendencies. And and I just separate the movies and Hollywood from reality, folks. Every single Native American tribe, there's 547 Native American tribes in the United States, in the continental United States. And they all have their versions of Bigfoot, Dogman, Skinwalkers, so forth and so on. Where does reality come to play and legend and lore come and meet? Okay, so uh, I saw a comment. I can see all the comments, by the way, folks. I'm not ignoring anybody, by the way. I'm, 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 I get in the zone and I just start talking to Dave. Dave's, got a, Dave's, Dave's the silver fox, by the way. Look at that guy. So anyway... We, uh, I seen a comment earlier about uh, Walker of both worlds, and that is something I actually talk about in my presentation that you can catch at any Bigfoot conference that I am a part of, or Bigfoot event that I'm speaking at, the Bigfoot experience. I, I talk about the Native American lore and the name Walker of Both Worlds. So what does that mean? Let's break it down. So both worlds mean physical and metaphysical worlds or spiritual worlds, metaphysical and spiritual worlds being one and the same. So the Native Americans were steeped in uh, spiritual beliefs. 
Okay, a little fact, little little known fact about me. I'm Catholic. <laughs> so from an early age, I was bred into believing that there is a heaven and there's an earth, and you know, hell is very real and demons do come out of it. So Walker Between Two Worlds was hard for me to grasp. These that would entail that these creatures are both supernatural and physical flesh and blood creatures. Most Bigfoot camps in the Bigfoot community believe that these are unknown species of primate, undocumented, undiscovered, whatever you want to call it, species of primate. However, humans, for a good example, us, humanity, Homo sapiens sapiens, we are in certain Individuals in our um, human species are endowed with certain abilities, whether it be psychic abilities, mediumship abilities, whatever, what, whatever you say. And they are proven. They are utilized in crime scene investigations. Um. It's even so far that the CIA, Central Intelligence Agency, has utilized psychics to hunt down enemies of the state. So why can't animals have the same abilities? As far as Bigfoot and and, and aliens go, I mean, we might be the aliens. I don't know how you believe anybody out there that believes religiously or not, we could be the aliens. We could. We could very well be the aliens of this planet. Um, or we could have been some kind of weird science science experiment that some alien kid failed at and just let us kind of live our lives out on this blue ball. It's one of those things. But Bigfoot and aliens... I would assume that aliens would have some kind of uh, fascination with these creatures as we do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so but there's all. So okay, go ahead. So with this creature, how do you think then it remains so elusive? Uh, supernatural abilities. <laughs> I'll contradict myself all day long. So these creatures. Okay, speaking solely from southeast Kentucky, and I'm, I've got a, I've got Doug Shelby pulled up here uh, in the comments here, but Doug says that I am, he says, hey, Mike, you said you live in southeast Kentucky. That's pretty much dead center of Bigfoot territory, east Tennessee, west North Carolina, west Virginia, and also Ohio. Are they all same type or breed of Bigfoot? So let's go to Kentucky for a minute. Kentucky is, is riddled with cave systems. Uh, one the most famous cave systems on Earth is here in Kentucky. It's Mammoth Cave. We have a team that I have been working with, the Crypto Crew. We have employed um, spelunkers and cave mappers to map out caves, and we are seeing ties to the Mammoth Cave systems out here in eastern Kentucky, 600 miles away. So, In other words, these creatures use these cave systems 
as a way of travel, as a way of being hidden? Why are they so elusive? I mean, all right, Dave, let's step back for a minute. Let's take a quote that I use way too much in everyday conversation from a very famous film. And this is a live radio show, so we don't have to cite anything. This is from Men in Black, the first Men in Black. Right. And it's a quote. It's a quote by Tommy Lee Jones. So he's sitting there on a bench next to Will Smith, giving him reasons why he should join the Men in Black after he had his alien counter. Fifteen hundred years ago, we knew the Earth was the center of the universe. Five hundred years ago, we knew that the Earth was flat. And for me to come out of quote, 20 years ago, I knew for a fact that there was no such thing as Bigfoot. Back to humanity. Imagine what we'll know tomorrow. We're still learning about this planet. I'm a very, uh, in college, I'm majoring in history. So I use, I utilize history a lot. So we're living in 2022. So a hundred years ago, we were coming out of World War One. Airplanes had been around for ten years. The Titanic had sink had sank ten years ago. So we're we're, we're talking 1922. So we're in the midst of the Industrial Revolution not knowing what we were doing was destroying or hindering our future generations. I come from Southeast Kentucky. Anybody out there know what is prominent, the most prominent industry in Southeast Kentucky? It's coal. It's black rock that burns and is is a a source for energy worldwide. We are just now a hundred years post almost a hundred years post of the great depression. We're just learning what's going on in this world. I mean, 150 years ago, we discovered gorillas for God's sakes. I mean, Something that we can go to the zoo and see every day. We we can see gorillas. 150 years ago, you couldn't have done that. So we're just now learning what how the world works, and we're in we're on the forefront of technology as as I speak. If the last two years haven't taught you anything about science and and nature. <laughs> I mean, I said it 15 years ago that it would be a virus that took out humanity. It would be something so so microscopic. And we've lost so much in the last two years. And it's not comical at all. It's very real. On average, we discover a thousand species. That's average. Could be more, could be less. We discover a thousand species a year in the rainforest. In the rainforest alone, that's only in one 
country or a couple of countries, whatever, it's a rainforest. We discover a thousand species per year, new species. It's it's just a matter of time till we discover this. Very true. Michael W. Cook, we got up till the top of the hour on Space Down Radio. More UFO cryptid talk. That's what we're doing till the top of the hour here on Space Down Radio. Stay tuned. We have more right after this. Right on, we're getting close. <clears throat> there we are. All right, Doug Shelby, if you're if you're listening to to us on <coughs> YouTube, um, it's so funny you should say that about East Tennessee, East West West North Carolina, and West Virginia and Virginia and Ohio. I'm actually involved in a new research project called um, the Quantum Bridge Project, and um, we are looking at ties that could very well produce a triangle that is uh, is is present in many places across America. Um, just like the Bermuda Triangle. Um, here where I live at in Harlan County, it's in the far southeast portion of, of uh, southeast Kentucky. We have everything from Dogman to UFO to Bigfoot to a, uh, an abundance of paranormal activity here. I'm actually involved in a project right now that deals with shadow shadow people. And um, I'm brand new to this subject, by the way. But it's something to be on the lookout for. And you can go to the Crypto Crew on YouTube and uh, on Tubi and watch this uh, watch this unfold. But it's it's craziness, man. It's something that I've never seen before. Did you get that email, by the way, uh, Dave? Let me look. I want to get your your first initial thought when you see those pictures. I never got it. I went and grabbed my teddy bear when I looked at them. I, I never got it. Want an easy way to start saving and investing? All you need is Acorns and your spare change. Link a credit or debit card and Acorns will round up your purchases to the nearest dollar and invest the difference in an expert-built diversified portfolio. On average, Acorns users invest $166 in four months from just their spare change. And if you sign up today, you'll get a $10 bonus investment. To sign up and view disclosures, visit acorns.com Spotify. Invest in real estate without the stress of being a property manager today. My name's Dutch Menenhall, CEO and co-founder at RadDiversified.com. We specialize in finding, buying, rehabbing, and managing real estate nationwide. I know your investments will make money, build a legacy, and protect America. While the stock market has been crashing and going up and down, our share price has more than doubled in less than three years. Come see what makes us rad at RadDiversified.com. Invest without stress at RadDiversified.com now. So last week, we were on a uh, Bigfoot outing. I took a team from Virginia, and uh, we built a fire because it got a little chilly. And a buddy of mine just said, hey, you know, he sent me a text. He said, what are you doing? Saturday night, normally I'd be a musician, by the way. I, I play I play at bars and stuff. 
He said, where are you at tonight? I said, I'm in the woods, man. I'm in, I'm Bigfoot researching. And I sent him that picture and, um, he, uh, he immediately comes back and he says, holy shit, dude, who's there with you? And I said, Tara, um, Rick and Steven. And he said, um, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, so there's more there. And he sent me the blow up picture of that. I sent it to your email. I sent it to the email that you sent me. I replied to it, by the way, Dave. Okay, let me take a look. Yeah, you need to look at that. The first picture you see is just a fire and then, then the zoomed in portion. But zoom in on that on that first picture. Yeah, I, I never received any email from you, dude. Weird. I've looked at my junk mail. Everything. Dave, look at your messenger. I'll send you the picture. Pictures. Yeah, I'm sending them to him right now, too. Oh, the face. I'll send them to you on Messenger. Yeah, the face in the fire. That is creepy. What do you think about that? Well, let me uh, quickly show the audience here. Uh, now, this was, this was six days ago, folks. Right, right here. And then here's the close-up. Oh, no. There's the close-up. That is just creepy. So if you if you go to the original picture, the one that zoomed out, if you look to its the face and you zoom in at the four o'clock position on the face over on the right hand side, so it would be um Yeah, but you can yeah, it would be you can even see a body here. There's the head, yeah. here's the shoulder, the to- the break in the torso and almost like a waistline here with a leg going this way. Like that is that is, not creepy? That is creepy, dude. Creepy. I, I can't I can't explain that. I, I I wish I could. Right. Um we got about, but I we, it to we got about ten seconds left. So Yeah, let's get into this. Let's talk let's get into Yeah, this. let's get into this. Okay, hold on here, guys. the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. I want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, 
check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with Michael W. Cook. He is a cryptid, paranormal, supernatural investigator out of the beautiful state of Texas. And recently, you took an interesting photograph, Michael, regarding, you know, a bonfire. And yet when you took a photograph of it, there was this face and looks like a body inside the fire. Explain the situation here. We started what is affectionately called as uh, Project Quantum Bridge. And we are investigating the presence of triangles, much like the Bermuda Triangle, um, in the Appalachian Mountains. So a team from Virginia came down here in eastern Kentucky, and uh, we we done a scouting trip. And it was purely scouting. It was nothing... Um, too serious, but it was, it was still serious research, uh, to guide us to our next step to the expedition in, in, uh, November. So a buddy of mine, we're sitting, we got chilly. So we, we built a bonfire and a buddy of mine sent me a text and it's normally, you know, Saturday nights, normally if I'm not researching, normally I'm in a bar somewhere, I'm playing music, I'm a musician. Uh, play guitar and sing and don't look me up on YouTube for whatever you do. It's awful. Um, but the, uh, I sing and I, I write songs and stuff. And he sent me a message. He says, hey, man, where you at tonight? What are you doing? And I just, I literally took my cell phone, this cell phone right here. It's an iPhone 13. And I, I just reached over and I took a picture of the bonfire. And I sent him a picture back. And I said, hey. You know, this is what I'm doing. He said, who was there? And I said, Tara, Dave, and Steven, and myself. And he said, well, who's in the fire? And I said, what do you mean? And he sent me a zoomed-in version of the picture I just sent him. And it wasn't until I looked at that zoom-in version that I realized something that something else was there with us. And I seen somebody on the YouTube um chat here that said the comments that said you know uh, the cia normally throws this off as pareidolia and and yeah you could probably chalk it up as pareidolia but however as dave explained dave you can give your 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 take on the picture i sent you on and you can throw it up on uh, for everybody to see well what we're looking at here is we are looking at your typical bonfire as we break it down for our radio audience you know, there's plenty of sticks and everything in there, and you know, big logs, small sticks, you know, uh, tree branches, so on and so forth. And then, if you look at, you know, down the about halfway through the fire on the left hand side, you're actually looking at what seems to be the face of a human staring back. And when you zoom in on it. You could see the face clearly, you know, the dark eyes. I mean, you could even, if you're looking, you could almost see pupils. You could see a forehead with a hairline, a nose with a nostril on the left side. You could see a mouth that's just slightly open with lips. I mean, this is, I've never seen anything like this before. But if you zoom out again, 
You can still clearly see the face, but the way the smoke is pushing out on that side, and it could be complete pareidolia, you can actually see what looks to be this a body of of a a, a black jacket going down like a shoulder going down to the arm. You can see almost a line of where the torso and the arm are split that the gentleman or I'm going to call it a gentleman or the spirit or entity, whatever it may be, is wearing like a black T-shirt underneath. Uh, Like I would say it's almost like a jean jacket or something along those lines. And you can see that whatever it is, is leaning on its right shoulder kind of sitting down and and you could see where there would be a waistline with a leg. Now you can't see the other leg, but you could sure see at least one, at least I can. And I just don't I just don't get it. I don't know. I've never seen anything like this before. Well, I hadn't either. And I didn't even notice it in the picture that I sent him until he sent it back to me. And I said, that's, that's strange, you know? So you said a a jean jacket. So that's strange. You should say that because the folks that's listening to the radio right now, we had this conversation uh, about five minutes ago during the break, but I never did say nothing about that. I just asked Dave to give me his honest opinion on what he was looking at. So that is about, a thousand yards from a spot called Rebel Rock. And it's where the Union soldiers supposedly, allegedly, captured a Confederate um, soldier back in the Civil War. And they gave him a choice. You either jump or we're going to shoot you. And if you jump and survive, you are free. You can go wherever you want to. But if you choose the other one, we're going to kill you right here. Well, the Confederate soldier decided he was going to jump and risk his, you know, take his chances. And um, he didn't survive, obviously. Um, So the jean jacket could be a variation of his uniform. Um, to me, I don't know. I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I, I want to say I'm a paranormal researcher, but I'm a cryptozoologist. I have studied cryptozoology for the better part of my life. And last Sunday, when I sat down with Catherine Kaufman, uh, Kentucky's premier psychic medium, she analyzed this photo and she said, no, no, this is a, this is a fire entity. You're protected and all this stuff. And she gave me great peace to to feeling that. But the fact remains, pareidolia is finding a face, is your brain's uh, reaction to looking at a picture and finding a, a familiar a familiar familiarity is what it's called. Um that you don't have to look for that face. You don't have to imagine that face. That face is right there. You can see the bridge of the nose. You can see the the sockets of the eyes. 
You can see the cheekbones. You can see what I believe, and you can put the zoomed-in version back up there, Dave, if you want to. If you look at the zoomed-in version, the mouth, there's something... Um, okay, so let me go back. I am. I have a medical background, I, I, I nursing and all this stuff, so I won't go into great detail. But in the mouth, you can see something that looks kind of like a cleft palate, mm-hmm. which was very common back in the 1800s. But the nostril, the bridge of the nose, the 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 eyebrow, the 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 brow ridge, and all that is very prominent in this picture. In other circumstances, I would say pareidolia, but this is something that I cannot dismiss as just pareidolia. I don't. I believe that we were. I believe that we were visited by some kind of entity that night. I believe that we were being protected. I just don't get it, Doug Shelby. I don't get it either. Uh, and you know, if you go, if you look at the four o'clock to that. There is an eyeball there that looks to be, um, you know, I, I can actually uh, send send Dave. I've got him on Messenger here. I can send him this picture right here. Um, and you can see what looks to be like a uh, eyeball. In the fire, it is a, uh, it is, you can see the iris and everything when you zoom in on it. So I'll send Dave that right now. And it is uh, sent. Technology, folks, that's the greatest uh, enemy of uh, Bigfoot. Yeah, they don't seem to like it. I sent that to you on Facebook Messenger. Yeah, they don't they don't seem to like uh photography and stuff like that. All right. This is the one that's circled right here. Yeah. That almost looks like an alien gray there now. <coughs> Excuse me. It's funny that you say that because the person that actually pointed that out said that the skin looked like it was scaly, that it was that it was not natural. Extremely yeah. creepy. Doug Doug Shelby is on the chat. You know, Doug, I'm I'm calling you out on this. It is extremely chill giving. I mean, you know, imagine, you know, I don't you know, put yourself in my my shoes. You take this picture, send it to your buddy and all of a sudden boom. This is coming out of it. I never saw that with my own two eyes. I never saw that at the time I took the picture. In fact, I was looking away when I took the picture. I was really looking away. I was, uh, I, I, I put my finger on the capture button 
And I looked away and I was talking when I was when I took the picture. So it was extremely candid. That picture is extremely candid. I, I and I promise, I promise to you, I swear on everything good and holy on this earth, I've not touched that photo. Uh, the zoomed in photo is what what I uh, what I was sent. Yeah, yeah, pure Aussie gold. Um, I was sitting right there. I still sit right there. I'm either very stupid or very fearless. Um, I'm not. Do you have a lot of other paranormal encounters that, that are in conjunction with something like this? Well... It's funny you should say that, Dave, because Sunday, the night, the day after I had this uh, this happen, I felt like I was run over by a train, and uh, I didn't do that much hiking that day. Um, if I would have done 10, 12 miles hiking, I would have said, ah, it's just hiking. I'm getting old, but I didn't do that much hiking. I stayed right there pretty much. We we done a we done a reconnaissance hike around the lake that we were at. There's this pond that's centrally located in our research area. And um we went on the backside of it and there was some weird shit happened. Um so we had a trimeter and we had a Geiger counter and we had a uh a Tascom uh, I forget what the model is, but it was a recorder being used during this whole this whole scouting trip. First off, the GoPro ca- the GoPro camera batteries that were brand new, by the way, Stephen just had purchased the week prior, and and charged them up went completely dead. They were completely dead when we got there. Two of them, two out of five, had about. 95% charge and I literally watched them on two eyes the charge just drained down on them as they were going um, other than that we get out to the back side of the lake and we see we we put the trimeter up to measure EMFs and all that stuff and it was dead we left that area and it automatically the needle went back up to full a lot of electrical interference. A lot of in- electrical interference. Um, we were listening, or Stephen was listening to. Uh, um, he had a he had a pair of headphones on, like mine right now, and it was plugged into the Tascam recorder, and it kept on getting interference. Well, I done an interview with with Stephen. Uh, for this for this YouTube video I'm, I got coming out, and on the on the recording, you can hear, and I know Dave, you you know what I'm talking about. The younger generation's not going to know what I'm talking about. Back in the day of um, of dial up, that's what we heard, like the we heard that on the recording. Oh, that's yeah. Old. I just brought, I just brought back feels for you, didn't I? Oh yeah, man, yeah, 
It was those were days of hardship. There was nothing was. like there was nothing like building up your character in Diablo back in the day, the original <laughs> Diablo, and then having the internet go down and the signal go down because of a phone call, and then you had to reconnect. That's exactly what we heard. And uh you know, later that night we were sitting at the campfire and this was after the picture was taken and we were analyzing it. Um, one of our team members was on the phone with a higher up person that, that, uh, you know, I can't talk a whole lot about this project, but there's a very large group of investigators that are teamed up with us right now on this endeavor. He was on the phone with this person and, I just look over his head and see this dull orange light orb just fly across the sky. And we put a thermal on it and we couldn't get no thermal off it or anything. And it was crazy, man. Like I told them going in, I said, don't expect anything to happen. There's two individuals in this area up here that every now and then they'll get pissed. Have plans for the outdoors? Make the memories last with Orca coolers and drinkware. Orca coolers are built to be as strong as the adventures you take them on. That's why they have a lifetime warranty while giving you world-class temperature retention. Orca's premium drinkware offers the same high quality, keeping your drinks icy cold or hot for hours. Their tumblers and martini cup are perfect companions for your next outdoor adventure. Go to orcacoolers.com and use promo code SUMMER for 15% off your order. That's Orca coolers.com promo code summer now is the time to reevaluate and diversify your investments my name is dutch Mendenhom, ceo and co-founder of raddiversified.com with our time-tested and proven acquisition strategy i'm confident your investments will make money build a legacy and protect america we're built to thrive in any market condition we find the investments manage the properties and you get the rewards we're trusted by thousands of investors who have earned millions of dollars come see what makes us rad at raddiversified.com that's rad diversified.com come see us it's off enough to interact with me but for the most part it's just tree knocks and whoops and and a couple of footprints left but that night it was it was fired up and we got that we got that uh dull orange light that went across the sky there is just so much that has went on in the past two weeks so let me backtrack the pre-interview for Coast to Coast AM, some people have heard me on last Monday. Um, I've done a pre-interview with them on Friday. And I walk outside right here where I'm sitting at. And I had my phone, this phone right here, in my hand. So I know it wasn't my phone. I heard a whistle. I heard a whistle up here on the ridge where I'm pointing at right now, right there. And uh, it sounded like R2-D2. It was like, you know, real fast whistle. So I post on Facebook. I said, hey, has anybody ever heard a whistle overnight? And that's the Cook Crypto Research page. You can go on there and like it, by the way, on Facebook. It's... Uh, where you can see most of my research and, and videos and stuff. Um, so I posted on there, and I'm talking to a buddy of mine 
right as I post it because I'm, I'm on the phone with him as I post it. And he said, man, something weird happened earlier. And I said, what's that? He said, in the kitchen we heard, or outside the kitchen, we heard a whistle. So keep that in mind. So my buddy Tony, who's with the Crypto Crew, heard a whistle too. Somewhere in around the same, same kind of tone. The next morning, I'm talking to Taylor Cook, uh, relation. He is a distant cousin of mine. He's out of North Carolina. He's with the Squatch Watchers, which are a good group of guys to have on this show. Uh, the Squatch Watchers, they were out and all of a sudden heard a whistle that sounded like R2-T2. So we're talking about one here, one 12 miles away, and one 200 miles away at the same exact time. Then everything happens during that research mission. It's just, it's either purely coincidental or there's something else going on here. We are connected in some kind of way. And I honestly don't know how to how to elaborate on that. I really don't. Let's get a couple questions from our audience here. Let's go over to Starsguard. Mike, what about Bigfoot structures? Have you ever ran into those? Yeah, I have. Um, Montana, 2015, I went to Missoula. I was speaking at a conference in Montana. I didn't just go there for a research trip. Um, we came across these trees that were bowed over, and I'm talking 30-foot trees, uh, about the size of your leg, uh, bowed over and interlocked into a, uh, a structure in the ground. Normally, I would say that it would be something snowfall or wind or anything like that, but it was crazy. It, uh, I don't understand why they would make this unless it was toward a water source, a food source, or something like that. Uh, tree structures, they have to be perfect for me to even entertain the idea that they were done by Bigfoot. Um, anywhere a human can go, I completely dismiss it as humanity. And case in point, just this past week, I had a, a, a gentleman, he emailed me uh, and asked me about um, rock stacking and stuff. And I said, rock stacking is completely normal about uh, from hikers and all that stuff. So they, they, in fact, this Great Smoky Mountains have issued a warning to people if they're caught doing rock stacks in the creeks and streams and stuff, they will be fined. So, unless it is somewhere where humans cannot go, cannot venture to, I completely dismiss it. But it has to be perfect before I, I see it. And as the wind picks up in your area, as you sit on your patio... Enjoying this interview tonight, Michael W. Hall, it is time for, or Michael W. Cook, rather, my good friend Michael W. Hall as well. I knew that was going to happen once tonight. Really appreciate you, Michael Cook. 
coming on Spaced Out Radio, hanging out with us, sharing your stories and your encounters. It's been a lot of fun, man. Hey, listen, I've had a great time tonight. And if you are, uh, see this, uh, this comment right here, the big, the barbecue background. So real quick, go on sawsquatch.com. That's S-O-S-S-S-Q-U-A-T-C-H.com. Send me a, uh, send me an email. Let me know you listen to Space Without Radio. I'll give you a uh, $5 uh, discount. Appreciate that. We got to run. Hour three is next. Good job, buddy. Good job tonight. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> hey, yeah, man, I had a lot of fun. The wind is picking up. I think it's about my cue to go. No good. That's all right. Hey, thank you for a great night tonight, man. Very much appreciate it. Shoot me an uh, shoot me an address, Brad or Brad Dave. Shoot me an address, and I'll uh, I'll get you some uh, hot sauce sent out to you. I appreciate that, brother. We'll talk soon. All right, man. Thank you. Michael W. Cook, everybody. How awesome is that? Just chill and relax. Just exactly what I wanted on a Friday night. Perfect. Just perfect. What a lot of fun he is. I'd like Now, there's a dude, honestly, that I would love to investigate with. Would love to investigate. My kind of guy, Michael W. Cook. All right. We'll be back. And uh, Dirty Filth is going to. Show you some art here while we are kind of waiting away. I'll be right back. There goes Dave. All right, I guess I can cover for Dave for the next six minutes. So there we go. We got Bigfoot Barbecue. Burgers with Mothman and the Kentucky Goblin. Hello, Super Duke. The world ends on the 24th. Eh, probably not, man. I lived through like 1997 and 2000 or whatever when all the computers were supposed to stop. It was good times. Look at that, Kentucky Goblin. I haven't drawn a Kentucky Goblin for a while. Thank you, Kira. You're awesome. Hello, Bob Birkins. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that face was pretty spooky. He sent me the picture and I looked at it and I thought it was a logo or something. And then I looked at the fire and then I immediately seen it. Same thing like Dave. I was like, there's some dude sitting in there. I'm not sure if it's a human burger. It's not been specified. But it's definitely not a UFO taco. Although there is a UFO in the drawing. you got to throw a UFO in there. Whoops. Missing a little bit there. Got to connect his arm all the way across. Look at that. Thank you, Bomber. I appreciate the kind words. I don't know. I don't think I'd... If I had to fight one or the other, I'd rather fight a Sasquatch instead of a Dogman because Sasquatch would just break me in half and I'd be dead instantly. 
or Dogman would probably just shred me up and I'd have to lay there and bleed to death for half an hour. What an important side. It's almost spooky season. I always figure that most of the cryptids are just misunderstood. At least, probably most of them. I mean, if you were a big hairy guy lived in the forest and someone ran into you and they scared you, but you're really big and you just kind of shouted and screeched and then they ran away and they'd be like, there was this monster in the forest and it roared at me. But, you know, the Sasquatch went home and Sasquatch is talking to his buddies. He's like, should have seen this little tiny, like hairless thing that I seen. It looked like a, a mini one of us, but it was hairless. And it made all this weird noise and it had this weird stick. And I screeched at it and it ran away and I ran away. It scared the crap out of me. Like, how, how does nobody know what Sasquatch feels like? I mean, maybe they're just afraid of, it's like spiders. Unless you live in like Australia or the Amazon or something. Where, Anyways, but maybe Sasquatch is, doesn't like humans because maybe they think we're weird. Hi, Dirty. Hi, Dave. I'm doing great. You left me here. I'm rambling. Ooh, speaking of Yowies, I got to get hold of my my super secret contact in Australia to get him to come on the show. Because of my rookie mistake when I started. Mm. But if you don't have a rookie mistake, you can never become a first line left wing powerhouse or anything like that. This is true. This is very true. A whole bunch of crows together, or whatever it's like the collective noun, or whatever it is, or verb. It's an herb. Wait, no. I meant ravens. Ravens is an unkindness of ravens. An unkindness. Yes. Nobody cares, Whiskey. All right. Thank you, uh, Bigfoot Michigan Rob, Science Bob, Obi, Filth, and Thomas for the super chats tonight. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Thank you for the love and support. Store is open at spacedoutradio.com. Go get your swag. You need it. You really need it. Here we go. Hour three. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth, hi to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. 
The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Geoselling. Geoselling or Selenic, pardon me. Geoselenic is your password. Sorry, Clam. Yeah, the Clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again where we head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. I am Chakate Garcia or chief if that's easier to pronounce. I'm currently 21 and live about an hour north of LA in Lancaster, California. First, thank you for sharing this story on your show. However, what I'm about to share with you happened about six months ago. This is not something that I normally talk about, but it's my personal story and it's 100% true. What I do wanna hopefully portray in this story is the sheer amount of terror that I felt. Whatever I had seen this day, is something that truly had me fearing for my life. So, without further ado, here is the story. I lived in Rosamond, California, about 30 minutes north of Lancaster, California. I was about 12 years old and my mother had just passed away after battling cervical cancer for about a year and a half. It was a terrible time for all of us, considering that we were just with her that Monday and she had passed away on a Friday. It hit us so hard that we couldn't figure out what to do with our lives at that moment besides honor her best wishes. We wanted to continue to be a tight-knit family and always have the best relationship possible, just as she would want. About a month after my mother's passing, my brother and sister came over for a visit to see me and my other siblings and cousins, being that we still wanted to see each other since our mother passed. We all had this enjoyable game called Dark, which if you don't know what it is, it's hide and seek in the dark, but pitch black since we lived on a ranch in the middle of nowhere. To understand why this story gets scary at this moment, you need to see the layout of the ranch house my uncle was staying at and where we were all living since my mother passed. A triple wide trailer that had been modified on the back and front porch to have a wooden front porch with all planks and a makeshift doghouse my uncle built for his huskies. The back porch was a patio bar with a whole glass window overlooking the mountains to the north and didn't have a spotlight. The front porch, while basic, had this super bright spotlight that emitted all over the property, going towards my grandmother's side door to the side patio and garage area slash smoking area. My grandmother's house ran for a basic style brick house from the 70s and then curved into the darkness because she had massive rose bushes that grew all over the side and back of her home. The spotlight and bushes are critical to these stories. We played outside and it was my brother's and my turn to hide while our cousins went out with our older sister and her husband since they were young. My brother and I were immaculate at this game because we knew how many hiding spots there were since we scouted the place before any of them ever came. Behind a white Chevy pickup truck, we were waiting for my sister. 
her husband, and my cousins to come out when we saw the door open. We had figured our sister's husband, Jonathan, would be coming out since we had seen a shadow cast over our uncle's porch onto the driveway of my uncle's property that went towards the street and my grandmother's rose bushes. The shadow seemed to stop at the porch for a second until my brother and I both looked at each other because we didn't hear footsteps going off the porch like we usually would. Then we looked back at the porch, and to this day it still makes me tear up and get chills thinking of this. The shadow leaps over the doghouse like this impossible leap that clears the entire house without even trying. Then, without any noise or sign, it looked at me and my brother. It ran into my grandmother's rose bushes and was gone from sight. My brother and I sat there for a second and thought we had seen the shadow of someone. Maybe my cousins messing with us and just wanting to distract us. But the way it moved, it was honestly animalistic. It was crawling around on all fours. There was definitely no way that my younger cousins would be able to crawl like that. Now, our cousin would try to scare us sometimes. However, they were only four or five and couldn't even clear the top of a trampoline without needing help. And most notably, he could barely get to the top of the doghouses without making a bunch of sounds because he loved the huskies. He always greeted them every time he saw them, so there was no way he wouldn't have made noises coming out. My brother and I rushed to the house and ran inside not even concerned that anyone else might be outside hiding or trying to find us. We came inside and everyone, I mean everyone, my siblings, my cousins, my uncle, his family, his sister, everybody, they were all inside confused when my brother and I came in. We had asked why they were confused and they said, we gave up trying to find you guys because the boys, my cousins, wanted to stay in. And since you weren't anywhere, we couldn't find you within five minutes, we decided to give up. My brother and I started to get even more freaked out because after five minutes, they had gone outside towards the back of the property. No one was in front or even going out to the property's front door. After the initial shock of us realizing that no one came outside to the front where we were, we told them about what we had seen and made it a point that it had like a human-like shape but somehow had superhuman abilities. We told them how it jumped over the house, scurried into the bushes, and it was silent the whole time. Mostly everyone thought it was automatically my mother playing with us. Still, my sister Jamie and younger sister Belana denied that idea because they knew that it was something crawling on all fours and that seemed more evil and why would our mom want to scare us? We went to the front, the back, and everywhere else on my grandma's property. We went to my uncle's bunkhouse, but there was nothing there. We couldn't see any evidence of this person or creature. We showed them exactly what happened and even showed them the direction where they leaped and hurried out. They too said either of my cousins couldn't have done that and nobody else in that family could have done that for that matter. There was no way anybody would have that amount of strength to push themselves over the top of the doghouse and then not get damaged or even remotely make any noise. It is, to this day, the scariest thing I have ever seen in my life outside of my nightmares. That house ultimately left a permanent scar because I still have nightmares of something in my dreams that lives on that property, and it haunts me to this day. It's like it wants me to find them. I don't know if that thing had any connection to my dreams, but after that night, I have never missed a night without nightmares fueled by that property. Thank you for sharing my story, Swamp Dweller. It's not something I can quite describe as paranormal or anything extraterrestrial. But I can say that it still reminds me of why I believe my uncle's property is scarred by something beyond comprehension and reason. Oh, that's why we love the Swamp Dweller. Absolutely. 
freakiness extraordinaire coming from the dulcet tones of our resident swamp dweller. You can listen to literally thousands of stories just like that one by going to youtube.com forward slash swamp dweller reads. That's youtube.com forward slash swamp dweller reads. And I'll tell you. Have plans for the outdoors? Make the memories last with Orca coolers and drinkware. Orca coolers are built to be as strong as the adventures you take them on. That's why they have a lifetime warranty while giving you world-class temperature retention. Orca's premium drinkware offers the same high quality, keeping your drinks icy cold or hot for hours. Their tumblers and martini cup are perfect companions for your next outdoor adventure. Go to orcacoolers.com and use promo code SUMMER for 15% off your order. That's orcacoolers.com, promo code SUMMER. You know, there's no better way to get in a bad mood than to look at your stock portfolio right now. I mean, the way the market's been plummeting, it's hard to remember what it looked like when your portfolio was actually growing. Maybe you toyed with the idea of doing real estate investments since it's so much more dependable, but the idea of trying to flip houses and sign deeds and deal with tenants sounds like a nightmare. Fortunately, you have another option. Visit RadDiversified.com today. Rad Diversified does all the real estate legwork for you. They know the ins and outs of residential real estate and handle all the details while you simply watch your investment grow. In fact, over the past three years, while everything's been going down, Rad Diversified raised their stock price by 108.6%. With just a $1,000 minimum investment, you can get started on your new upward trend. Visit them at RadDiversified.com and see what other investors are saying. They've helped thousands of people make millions of dollars. This could change your life. Visit RadDiversified.com. That's R-A-D-Diversified.com. He's just spooky. He's just scary, and he's damn good at what he does. Love him. Love the Swamp Dweller around here. All right, we're going to get to the UFO report as Terry Hall fills in for little Timmy Senor, who's out on location chasing UFOs tonight. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know. Terry's having some technical issues in his house. So we're going to start off with something here that I found earlier today. And this comes from Member of Parliament Larry McGuire from Brandon Sewers in Manitoba. Now, this is a very, very interesting comment that was uh, released out of Member McGuire's office. Yeah. It says this. With regard to briefings that Canadian government and military officials have received from the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force, in brackets, UAPTF, of the United States Office of Naval Intelligence since 2016, A, on what dates did the Canadian Embassy staff receive briefings from the former head of the UAPTF, John F. Stratton? B, on what dates did the Royal Canadian Air Force received briefings from the U.S. National Intelligence Manager for Aviation on the issue of unidentified aerial phenomena, and C, what are the details of all other briefings received from the UAPTF, including for each, one, the date, two, who gave the briefing, three, who was briefed. Now, this was released by Daniel Otis. Daniel Otis is a freelance 
writer for Vice Magazine. He's based out of Toronto, also works for CTV News, which is why we see CTV coming up quite a bit on it. Terry, how you doing? Okay, you got to turn your mic on, Terry. We don't hear you. All right, I gotta, I gotta take you back, man, because we don't hear you. Uh, well, we'll continue on here with this, and what I want to say about this is a number of things. Daniel Otis has been intrepid in trying to get the Canadian story out on UFOs. Him and I have worked quite a bit behind the scenes on this exact topic. Now, the words coming out of Mer- Mr. McGuire's mouth were actually said in one of the Canadian hearings. Yeah, this was brought up during talks September 22nd, just yesterday. And I want to break this down very clearly for you, because I know the majority of our audience is American. I know I'm Canadian, but this actually affects NORAD. It affects everything that our militaries combined do on a daily basis. And there's a lot of information in here on what is said that we already knew about or have helped with. Like this. Let's break down. Point A. What's the dates the Canadian Embassy staff received briefings from the former head of the UAPTF, John F. Stratton? I had one source in Ottawa and another source in Washington, D.C., Tell me that these talks happened between August and December of 2019. That's the first talks. The first talks literally came down with our former ambassador, Canada's former ambassador to the United States, a gentleman named David McNaughton. McNaughton then allegedly flew to Ottawa to be debriefed by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau Defense Minister Harjeet Sajjan, and other members and high-up members and ranking members of the Liberal Party of Canada. Why is this important? It's important because the Liberal Party of Canada, to this date, has remained absolutely silent, including the Prime Minister, on UFOs. Granted, not a single political reporter has asked him. Not a single reporter across Canada has asked the Prime Minister to speak about this. It's ridiculous. It's not good. Yet we know these talks happen. When the official date was, we're not sure. Then we go to Section B. On what dates did the Royal Canadian Air Force receive briefings from the U.S. National Intelligence Manager for Aviation on the issue of unidentified aerial phenomena. reason being this happened was because they are trying to figure out whether or not there is a true threat narrative to Canadian airspace, according to the U.S. National Intelligence Committee. Is that what happened? Do we know it's happened? Do we know if Canadian military officials have been broken down on this? No, we do not. Why? Because in Canada, we have a really, really strong belief that if we don't talk about these subjects, they don't exist. 
It's that simple. I'm not saying it's right, and I'm not saying it's wrong. But that's just the way it seems to go up here in Canada. And so briefing this on down, what we need to do is we need to figure out who are they talking to. We know Luis Elizondo has spoken with Canadian government officials on a couple of occasions. We do know that Hal Putoff and members of the Scientific Coalition of UAP Studies have met with members of Parliament. We know that the Conservative Party of Canada is the one that is really pushing this subject forward when it comes to the unidentified aerial phenomena taking place here in the North. Who knows about it? We don't know. We don't know, but we are learning, and it is all starting to come out. The other point that Larry McGuire made is, what are the details of all the other briefings received from the UAPTF, including for each the date, who gave the briefing, and who was briefed? Once again, this falls on the shoulders of the Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, and his staff regarding this. And why have they refused to come public and just discuss it? Look, this has nothing to do with the fact that Canada's lamestream media has yet to really focus in on it outside of Daniel Otis and the work that I have personally done on radio shows, like on Saga 960, where we broadcast on a nightly basis, or on times when we've gone across Canada to speak with Shane Hewitt on the shift on the Chorus Radio Network. This is big news because what McGuire is doing now is he is setting up the idea that he wants to get this out onto the floor of the House of Commons. That's it. He wants to get it on the floor of the House of Commons. And this follows up a report that was reported on by CTV and Transport Minister Omar Algabra, where Algabra basically says that if by chance this makes it to the House of Commons floor, how are we going to answer these questions? If pressed, keywords being there, if pressed. He says, although further investigation into UAP sightings falls outside of Transport Canada's mandate, Transport Canada is open to continued collaboration with other departments and committees uh, to the safety and security of Canada's aviation industry. And he says, recent media articles report minimal government funding in Canada on UAP research compared to the U.S. and a collaborative approach to standardizing the collection of data across federal agencies is suggested. This is becoming a hot-button topic within Parliament, even though the the media has not caught on. So how do we deal with it? I think what you're going to see out of Canada here in the next little bit is I think you're going to see a public UAP task force, one that combines reports from the military, from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, from uh, different departments in Canada like Transport Canada, NAV Canada, 
And I think what we're going to see is them looking at this in a scientific nature. They don't want the threat narrative here. They are not falling for the threat narrative in the Great White North. This has been troublesome to many people within the community, as we stated on the Dave 101 last night. We want to make sure that moving forward, that this story continues to heat up, it continues to grow, and see where it grows. Because eventually, the Canadian media is going to have to get on par with what is going on. It's going to have to make sure that it has the ability to answer these questions. Like McGuire states, why are they seen hovering over Canadian nuclear power facilities? Remember, Canada does not have any nuclear weapons that we know of. And if Canada doesn't have any nuclear weapons, and they also do not have any nuclear power facilities west of Ontario, what are they doing? Where are the UFOs coming from? Why do they have an interest in these facilities, much like they did in the United States? Canada and the U.S. will be tied to this subject for as long as it lasts or until disclosure actually comes out. That is one thing that we do know will happen. And Canada has to have the back of the United States on this topic. Maybe not on a threat narrative, but in promoting the fact that there is something strange going on in the skies above both countries. And that way they need to work together. But as long as the military-industrial complex pushes it, and this is something that Canada doesn't buy into, it's going to be a hard Hard, long, bumpy road. This is why Larry McGuire would like to see more of a scientific approach in Canada. He has also talked to many other members of Parliament who feel the same way, that this doesn't need to be about the military or the Canadian Armed Forces and understanding that the Canadian Armed Forces are just a byproduct of gathering information much like the police, much like Transport Canada, Nav Canada, Nav Canada rather, and any other alphabet agencies that take part in this. That is something that we are going to have to follow. And kudos and a pat on the back to freelance journalist Daniel Otis, who writes for Vice Magazine and also works for CTV News out of Toronto for helping out with that and tipping us off with it as well. There's a lot more to this story coming, and there's a lot more that's going to come out in the future. I don't know. Are we close to seeing UAP finally getting onto the floor of the House of Commons? We'll have to find out until the next session, as they are shut down for the winter now. But you never know. It may be a little bit closer than what we feel is actually going on. Coming up next in the UFO report, we are going to take a serious, serious look at UFOs in October. Yeah, the debrief and Bryce Zabel take it on up when we return on Spaced Out Radio. UFO report continues. 
Then we also, also got Shirky Poo's news. Stay tuned. The final half hour of Spaced Out Radio is coming up right after this. Terry, what's going on? I had everything ready to go, and right as I signed on, everything decided, when well, internet decided it didn't want to work. So, I had to switch platforms. Uh, but I could take care of it. I could take care of Are it. Are we up and running now? Okay. Do you have the stories in front of you? Yes, sir, I do. All right. Well, we'll, we'll bring you in then. Okay. Sorry about that, Dave. Right when I went to sign on, my internet just went, nah. Something about you. I probably should have went outside and looked up. <laughs> Could be. Could be. It's always something. Uh, let's say hello to who we got here that came in late. Phil the Stalker. How you doing, man? River Dogma. Good to see you. And there goes Terry again. I'll just do it. All right, Terry's not going to make it back. His internet is screwing up.
Gotta love silence, eh? Son of a gun. Sorry, I'm just trying to readjust everything here. Guys, if you want a topic on this show, as I state all the time, bookings at spacedoutradio.com or info at spacedoutradio.com, we will do our best to get those topics on the air. So that's all you got to do. Bookings at spacedoutradio.com or info at spacedoutradio.com. Email cat or dirty filth, and they will be able to uh, search for someone on those topics. Here we go, everyone. Ten seconds. We don't have a new prime minister yet. taking the time to join us we really do appreciate it want to remind you that if you miss portions of this show or others check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio do old davy the favor hit that subscribe button our website is spacedoutradio.com. we have a plethora of features for you rock out to bumblefoot read shirky poo's newswire check out our swag as well follow us on twitter at spaced out radio Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on with the UFO report as this story comes from Space.com. The United States Navy holds unseen videos of unidentified flying objects, or UAP, as the Department of Defense prefers to call them, but will now not release the footage publicly because they are saying it would harm national security. Basically saying, you baby people in the public, you can't handle this. Yeah, this was written by a Navy spokesperson this past Wednesday. The admission came in response to a Freedom of Information Act request filed by the government transparency site, The Black Vault. And John Greenwald usually gets what he wants, which, as John has previously shared thousands of pages. Listen, if you're tired of looking at your stock market portfolio today, make a change. I'm Dutch Mendenhall, CEO and co-founder of RadDiversified.com. 
where your investments make money, build a legacy, and we protect America. Join our diverse real estate portfolio today, where our share value has more than doubled in less than three years and 11 straight profitable quarters. We continue to deliver day after day. Come see what makes us rad at raddiversified.com. That's raddiversified.com. Come see us. The Chase Freedom Flex World Elite MasterCard puts you right in the middle of where you want to be. Whether you're planning that last summer getaway or a quick vacation to kick off fall. Take the Freedom Flex card with you and earn 5% cash back on travel purchased through Chase Ultimate Rewards. So pack up your roll-on luggage and get moving because you'll earn 5% cash back when you board that ship. Take a scenic railway trip out west. Or just rent a car. And the Freedom Flex card also earns you unlimited cash back all year long on purchases you make every day. You're always earning 3% cash back on dining, 3% cash back at drugstores, and 1% cash back on all other purchases. So hit the road and earn tons of cash back when you travel with the Freedom Flex MasterCard. Restrictions and limitations apply. Cards are issued by JPMorgan Chase Bank NA, member FDIC. UFO-related documents received via FOIA request to the CIA and other government agencies. The Black Vault filed the FOIA request to the United States Navy in April 2020, just one day after the Navy declassified three now infamous videos, the Tic Tac, the Gimbal, and the Go Fast, shot by Navy pilots showing high-tech aircraft moving in seemingly impossible ways. The Black Vault requested that the Navy now turn over any and all other videos related to UAP. Well, more than two years later, the government finally responded with a letter that both confirmed that more videos exist and then denied the request to turn them over due to national security concerns. The release of this information will harm national security as it may provide adversaries valuable information regarding Department of Defense, Navy operations, vulnerabilities, and or capabilities. Greg Carson, pardon me, Greg Kaysen, Deputy Director of the Navy's FOIA office, wrote in a response letter, No portions of the videos can be segregated for release. Kaysen added that the Navy was responsible and able to declassify the three UAP videos released in April 2020, only because the videos had been previously leaked to the media, and, of course, that was 2017, and had already been discussed extensively in the public domain. The Navy deemed it possible to officially release the footage without further damage to national security, Kaysen wrote. Interestingly, in its response to the Black Vault's request, the Navy did not make any attempts to conceal the existence of additional UAP videos. There are clearly more videos of inexplicable UFO encounters in the Navy's archives, but how many and what they depict will have to remain a mystery for now. It's clear, however, that the U.S. military takes the potential threat of UAP very seriously. In May 2022, the Department of Defense held its first public hearings on UFOs since the 1960s. The hearings primarily discussed a June 2021 Pentagon report that revealed U.S. Navy pilots had reported 144 UAP sightings since 2004. More recently, the Department of Defense announced that it would receive 
federal funding to open a new office focused exclusively on managing reports of UFO sightings by the U.S. Army, Navy, and Air Force. So what do you think, people? Do you think we are being played? Do you think that we are being told that we are not good enough for the UFO subject? Remember a while ago when Congress came out and stated that this was supposed to be public. These hearings, the congressional hearings and everything was supposed to be for the betterment of the public. And then Susan Goff from the Pentagon comes out and says, no, 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 no. We'll take care of it. We'll do our own investigations and we'll give you a report. Doesn't it sound like that's what's going to be happening now? It's exactly what it is. Exactly what it is. And we have no choice but to accept this. We shouldn't. We shouldn't at all. But there are no other ways around this. The United States Navy is too powerful. It's like the Wizard of Oz. What is really behind the curtain? And look, my American friends, as long as the threat narrative exists, your government will continue to ask you to open your wallet and pay to increase defense spending. That's how this game works. And with UFOs, don't forget, Ben Rich stated in 1992, we already have the technology to get E.T. home again. And we are 50 plus years ahead of what the public sees regarding technology. People, we need to realize that the United States Navy just took a big shove at the UFO field and said, screw you, you're not getting any more videos. Here's how the first three videos came out. Tic-tac, gimbal, and go fast. When Lou Elizondo was running A-tip, Chris Mellon said, are there any other videos that we or any videos we could try and get out? Elizondo went over a bunch of tapes. He had, and he, I'm assuming that they had some tapes edited. And then on their description, instead of being classified or top secret, he marked them as drones. And that's how Chris Mellon was able to get them out of the Pentagon and into the public eye. But you see, where the two of the Stars Academy, in my opinion, made a mistake here. And it was a big mistake. When they showed the videos to all the media, they went and put the To the Stars logo up in the corner of the video. To the Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences. Now... I can see the Navy being very upset about that. Just like I would be upset if somebody used our footage here 
of Spaced Out Radio without our permission on a documentary or on anything. Usually you ask. TTSA didn't ask. They just took and put their logo on United States Navy videos. Now, if you're the Navy, are you not going to be pretty upset about it when they, this, this private company filled with public investors and spooks and everything comes out and says, hey, look at our videos. Navy just can't come out and say, those videos aren't yours. They're ours. Can't say that. What they can say is, we're not going to give you any more videos. That's exactly what they did. It's what you call revenge. Tit for tat. Let's go to the next story. This one from Bryce Sable at the debrief. 2022 may be poised to have the greatest political October surprise in the history of United States elections. That's right. Unidentified flying objects dumped smack into the middle of a national midterm election. UFOs as a political issue. Candidates were questioned about where they stand on the issue. It's not going to happen, right? I mean, right? Well, in U.S. politics, an October surprise is a news event that may influence the outcome of an upcoming November election, whether deliberately planned or spontaneously occurring, because the date of the national elections is in early November. Events that take place in October may have greater potential to influence the decisions of prospective voters. Thus, relatively last-minute news stories could either change the course of an election or reinforce the inevitable. The preliminary report on unidentified aerial phenomena was released June 25, 2021. This might not qualify as a big deal except for the fact that when Congress passed the legislation demanding a 180-day turnaround for a report on UAP from the Office of Director of National Intelligence late in 2020, the date for the clock was set to start was the day that President Trump signed it. On that day, the reporter, Bryce Abel, got out a calendar and counted out 180 days by hand and arrived at the magic date of June 25th, the last possible day to release it and still be in full compliance with the wishes of Congress and the President. Zabel goes on to say his takeaway is pretty simple. Director Avril Haines and her team over at ODNI will follow the law to the letter and they will not release a report until the very last minute it is called for. The legislation on last year's NDAA, or National Defense Authorization Act, passed both the House and Senate, then was signed by President Joe Biden at the beginning of 2022. It is the law. The NDAA, containing a lengthy amendment from Senator Kirsten Gillibrand and Marco Rubio, it called for all kinds of juicy new plans for UAP investigation, from annual classified and public reports to funding for investigations to a new office to a demand for answers across the board about who makes UAPs, why they cause health effects, and whether or not 
we have any of them in our possession. Most notably, however, the NDAA Gillibrand-Rubio amendment set a deadline for that first annual report. This time it doesn't matter when Biden signed it, it, the deadline is still the same. The next momentous congressionally mandated UAP report is due on Halloween this year. It could happen before, but the even money has to be exactly on the date based on the ODNI's previous behavior. No matter who is writing this one or what UFO reports to come, they will tend to take all the time they can get, like a sophomore cramming, for a midterm. This year's midterm elections are of huge importance since all the members of the House of Representatives are up for election and one-third of the members of the Senate plus the majority of the nation's governors. Given the tie in the Senate between Democrats and Republicans and the razor-thin edge for the Democrats in the House, it's fair to say that in some aspects the fate of the nation hangs on the balance that day. The news is full of motivating stories to get voters to the polls. Very interesting indeed. So, do you think that UFOs are going to be the hot-button topic? I don't think so. I don't think it even comes up personally. It may, but I don't think it will. Why would it? Why would it? What we need to do is we need to figure out the importance of this subject. With the Navy just shutting it down and shutting down the conversation regarding UFOs, no more videos, they're going to limit what they can to politicians because whether America wants it or not, whether America wants it or not, or believes it or not, the military has a huge say in what happens. The military has the power to say no more. How weird is that? How weird is that? I don't get it. Is it supposed to be the other way around? Let's go to Shirky Poo's News. What time is it? It's time for Shirky Poo's News. All right, let's get over to Shirky Poo's News. Here's one for you vodka lovers. If you're having a drink up and don't fancy splashing around on a hugely expensive bottle of vodka to mix with whatever you got, then apparently there's this new trick that people are finding actually works. See, what you do is you pour your vodka through a Brita filter to see if you can make it taste nicer. 
And honestly, apparently people are doing this, and the vodka is doing just great. Firstly, it's worth starting off with a short disclaimer. Drinking vodka is likely to get you drunk and give you a hangover, so drink responsibly. Second, don't drive. Secondly, running it through the filter that you use to purify your tap water might not be the smartest idea you've ever had and could just leave you with tap water that tastes like cheap vodka in the long run. However, if loads of people on the internet are to be believed, doing exactly this will take away some of the horrible taste and smell from the cheaper bottles of vodka, leaving it tasting just like water. It's not everyone's idea of a nice relaxing drink, but hey, to each their own. Anyone who has ever consumed any amount of cheap vodka knows what we're talking about here. It has a really strong taste and feels a little bit like drinking turpentine. Once you had a shot of it, you could feel the burning right down into the gullet. Help is in hand, though, meaning that if you can't afford a bottle of Grey Goose or other premium vodka, just put it through your water filter and let it soak the bad taste out. Moving on, Ozzy and Sharon Osbourne have opened up about a frenzied spousal agreement that arose after he spiked her stew with black hash. Yeah, Ozzy was interviewed alongside his wife of 40 years on Apple Music, talking about his 13th studio album, as well as some typically bizarre anecdotes from over the years. At one point, Sharon claimed he made a stew with some crap in it. Ozzy initially feigned innocence, insisting, I never did that. However, when Sharon pressed him on what the crap was, he admitted, Oh, it was a little bit of black hash. Sharon went on to explain how she never does stuff like that, and it sent her crazy. She recalled, I was eating this stew, and it sent me crazy. It made me violent. Ozzy added, she throws the phone at me, and it goes straight in the face. Not content with launching a phone at her husband's face, Sharon said she proceeded to smash up a guitar belonging to Randy Rhodes, the late Aussie guitarist. Yeah, Randy's guitar was there, and I picked it up and slammed it against the wall. It made me crazy, made me go insane, and it was you who did it, Ozzy. Ozzy himself recalled how he vowed to never take LSD again after a horse seemingly told him to F off. During an interview with the Daily Star, the rocker reflected on his drug talking in the 70s, noting that when in a chat with a horse turned sour, he realized it was time to knock LSD on the head. At that time in America, people were very fond of lacing your drinks with acid. He said, I didn't care. I used to swallow a handful of tabs at a time. The end of it came when we got back to England. I took 10 tabs of acid and then went for a walk in a field. I ended up standing there talking to this horse for about an hour. In the end, the horse turned around and told me to F off, and that was it for me. you imagine living that life? Oh, my God. All right. A Florida highway was littered with hundreds of cans of beer early Wednesday as a result of a crash involving five semi-trucks and a pickup. Florida Highway Patrol sent two semi-trucks stopped on Interstate 75 in Hernando County about 6 a.m. in the morning after one of the vehicles rear-ended the other. The three other semi-trucks and a pickup then became involved in the crash. The last semi-truck to strike the stop vehicles ended up spilling his load of Coors beer. 
No injuries were reported from the incident. No beer was actually spilled because it's Coors. It's only water. Finally, a Northern California mother of two was sentenced to 18 months in prison for faking her own kidnapping so she could go back to a former boyfriend, which led to a three-week multi-state search before she resurfaced on Thanksgiving 2016. Sherry Papini pleaded guilty last spring to staging the abduction and lying to the FBI about it. As part of a plea bargain, she was required to pay more than 300000 in restitution. Probation's officers said and Papini's attorney had recommended that she spend a month in custody and seven months in supervised home detention, while prosecutors wanted her to serve the eight months behind bars. But U.S. District Judge William Shubb said, yeah, that's not enough. Let's give her a bigger slap on the hand. She got 18 buds for that boo-boo. Yeah, you just don't mess with that. Don't try and fake your own kidnapping. People don't like that. It's not a good play. Really not a good play. Who draws that up in their own playbook? Yeah, I'm going to kidnap myself just so I could see an ex-boyfriend. Ah. No man is worth it. Should have learned that from watching Oprah and all the daytime talk shows. Thank you, everybody, for tuning us in. Thank you to me for Shirky Poo's news, for the interview, for everything else. And we got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio, rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in. At home, at work, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. YouTube, Twitch, LGAP, Facebook, Spreaker, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Remember, this show is copyright by Space Down Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to have your evening with us, because together, my friends, we're watching. We own the night, Mr. Bumblefoot. We need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu Train has docked for the night. Soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night.
Discovery. Shh, with Wish.